0: Welcome back, everybody, to Rain on Your Parade with JL Covan. I'm JL Covan here as always with my producer Mike. Hello, Mike.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi, JL. How you doing?
0: I'm great. How are you doing today, Mike? A fabulous day. Okay, really that's fa- not what I heard. A fabulous but good, day. <laughs> good that you're being positive for everybody on the mic. Uh, I'm excited to be here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh it's gotten a little chilly. It's gotten quite chilly, yes. And apparently all the hotties in Williamsburg have been scared off by the sub-50 degree temperatures. Now it's just a bunch of trolls and cretins walking around Let me well, make my a, way here. We're
1: also recording at the time of Art Basel, which means a lot of chicks, I think, are in Miami.
0: Oh, is that like an OnlyFans convention?
1: No, it's like a weird, dumb art thing. I know. Oh, okay.
0: Just trying to be funny. Being facetious. I got well, it. Well, right.
1: You know. It's a podcast.
0: Well, that's why my career is where it is, because <laughs> obviously my humor doesn't work. Uh, if laughter is the best medicine, then I'm killing a lot of people. (laughs) Uh, but I wanted to talk about a few things. Obviously, I want to promote. It's it's we're coming up on gift giving season. We are, yeah. And I think there's no better gift you can give than money to me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And you can do that a variety of ways. If you like this show, you can join my Patreon, patreon.com/slash JL Covan. You can order a cameo for a loved one. I just crossed the two thousand career cameo mark. Wow! Yeah, I've made a ton of money on that site. It's been pretty good, and uh, totally, <laughs> I never had to do any nudes. Not yet. It. Not, Not yet. yet. Not yet. And uh, Cornell West video will be making its debut soon. By the time people hear this episode, I will have already debuted it. But I'm hoping people order uh, some Cornell West cameos. That'd be good. <laughs> um, I've got. Eight stand-up albums, two Trump albums that you can download, purchase, or gift. And uh, and then I have shows coming up in February in Florida, and I'll be in Vegas in March. Don't have a ticket link for that yet, but that's just so people will, uh, you know, just block out all of March. Yeah. And we'll never... No, it's going to be March 23rd. That I can tell you. So... That's great news for me if you pony up some cash and or it's just a waste of time. If nobody does that, I just wasted showtime. Mike is checking his phone. So let's get on with some topics. Mike. I'm checking my phone. I'm, I, I'm, doing, I'm running a business here, Jay. I know. I got a lot going on. No, no, I know. Um, you're not watching The Golden Bachelor, or you didn't watch The Golden Bachelor, I should say. I followed
1: the fact that it exists, but no, I did not watch it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, like Owen Wilson said in Zoolander. You know, (laughs) I'm a big fan of Sting. Sting. I'm a big (laughs) fan of Sting. I I don't listen to his music, but he's making it and I respect that. Yeah. Um, I watched the last like three episodes because I was traveling a lot when it debuted. I didn't have a chance, but I kind of was interested just because I'm not a fan of those shows like The Bachelor, all these ridiculous kind of artificial shows. They're just because they're not filmed over the course of 10 months, they're filmed over the course of like four weeks. Yeah. So it's just, it's impossible to to genuinely manufacture the kind of emotions without alcohol and unstable people. Yeah. But with older people, I was like, this is actually a chance potentially for these are fully formed people, perhaps on, who've been married, who are widowed, divorced, who are like looking for a final partner, not for like another person to fuck or some clout. Yeah. And, and subsequent seasons of The Golden Bachelor are going to be rough because now the secret's out. So it's going to be one of these like, testosterone supplemented like 68 year old guys with a six pack next and a bunch of like augmented chicks. It's like, I'm 70, but people think I'm 39 (laughs) and it's going to be like disgusting and shallow. It'll eventually get to like a trashy place. But this first season intrigued me because I was like, everything that's there seems kind of like, Hey, he's a widower. He's got two He's 72. He looks, he looks great for 72. Um, but you know, there's, there's like, there was like a, uh, an authentic organically sort of wholesome approach to this, to this thing that, that I don't think you can ever have again. Yeah. Um, so I watched a few episodes and I did enjoy it, but I've been baffled and I've, and I've gotten, I've gotten some nice praise for my, uh, Gary impression, uh, on online, um, because it's just basically like this and it's, Hey Mike.
1: He sounds like a Teletubby.
0: Yeah, well, he does sound funny. And what I like is that it's it's one of the one of the life hacks, I think, that I've learned from the show is he has two hearing aids. Huh. And so he looks at the women very intently when they're speaking. And I think these dumb old bitches think that he's attentive when he's just like, no, I have to look at you seriously just to get what you're
2: saying. And they're like, nobody
0: ever listens to me as well as he does. It's like he has to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. You know, he, he, he's like kind of goofy, but, but he's nice looking and he's, and he seems warm and the big backlash after the finale, mm-hmm. cause they have, I guess, be, I guess in January there'll be a wedding episode. He's going to marry this woman from New Jersey and I, the, the way people turned on him, it's like they have never seen the bachelor, like, because it's older people they're much more invested and it feels much more real which i think it is i think these women really are like hey i'm 66 i'm 70 i know what i want i know how to connect with somebody and there is something very refreshing about that like it's it's like we don't have the time we've come from a generation we don't have to bullshit we didn't, you know we've lived our adult lives without all the bullshit right so and now we're even older and have more wisdom or experience But he, he cut somebody when he was down to the final three, he cut this one woman who's just built like a brick house. And I mean that in a good way. Like, like just, I forget her name. Faith. Faith was her name. She's just a very well built 59 year old. Yeah. And it was down to Teresa. I don't know if I've ever heard a woman described as a brick house. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, the chick on Ted Lasso, man. That's a brick skyscraper. Hannah Waddingham. Yeah. Do you know her?
1: No. Jesus I've never watched Christ. that shit.
0: Well, it's not good, but I'm a cultural commentator. I can't I just hate things arbitrarily. I have to consume them and then hate them with, with arguments. Right. Um, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was down to Teresa, who he picked, and Leslie, I think. Mm-hmm. And Leslie is a very nice-looking woman in her mid-60s, and she was devastated. And she kind of exposed the whole fallacy of this thing when she was like, so 12 hours ago, you said you loved me and things changed. Yeah. And I was like, did he tell her he loved her? He had told her in an episode he loved her. And of course we don't know, was that three weeks ago or a day ago in terms of editing. (laughs) Right. And, but it seemed, and Laura called it, he was always going to pick the woman, Teresa, who may not have been quote unquote as attractive necessarily as faith or Leslie. Right. But she's like, she's older. They both have similar experiences. They're they're both widow widower, Um, right? They they do have a connection. I think that's real. But man, online, it is crazy. Like the comments I get from my video, like he is a fraud. He is a total fraud. There were
1: those. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter,
0: maybe that he had been in a relationship that he like
1: treated a woman not
0: great or I don't know the
1: the whole details of it, but. I think there was some news that came out uh-huh. that was not flattering. But again, it's like reality T V. It's like everybody's got some skeleton in this clo- in their closet. And I don't think he did anything like illegal or immoral. It's just like sometimes, yeah, people When are- a
2: woman says no, <laughs> right. she means yes.
1: <laughs> I don't think there's any of that. I right. think it was just like this guy was kind of a scumbag at times. Which hey man, life, men, what you do you <laughs> think?
0: He's, but it's, it's, it's just, it was shocking to me to see that like, it kind of reminded me when Jon Stewart went on crossfire and exposed it as a bullshit show. And I was like, well, yeah, (laughs) kind of. (laughs) But it's like, you're a comedian. You can come on here and you don't have to obey by any other rules. You can just be like, guys, this is all a charade. Right. And I felt like people getting mad at Gary, you know, were sort of like, yeah, but this is reality TV. This was all filmed in a month.
1: But I think that people tend to uh, believe, I don't know why, but something that, especially that's on like ABC, mm-hmm. like, a, like um, uh, a network like that, uh, that there is a true wholesome quality and these people have been vetted and that they've never made a mistake. Right. And yeah. I think a lot of people watching in the Midwest feel like they've just like, they found one woman or man, they went all the way with them. There are no relationship skeletons in their closet when the reality is that everybody's a human being and there are no, you know, uh, Norman Rockwell paintings. Right. A guy mistreated a woman for a little bit and, and like wasn't the nicest to her. I mean, that does happen. It, uh, it's not, it's not yeah, great little, behavior, little, but little
0: shop of horrors. Yeah. Know? Right. This guy, this guy treats Audrey terribly. Um, what, what, what great vocals from Ellen green. Um, but I was, it's, it's, I get it also because the, the power of the golden bachelor is like, once he told two or three women, he told three women, he loved them. Yeah. Why wasn't there outrage then? Like, in other words, right. They wait till the end, but it's like, but he told three women, he loved them and you were okay up until it was a final two. Then when it came down to it, he couldn't say it again because he had clearly chosen the other woman. Right. And there was this very impact like powerful scene. And I think the woman there was there was no acting in
1: this shit. Pause for one sec. Can you just fix your can you um unplug and replug the mic and I think something happened.
0: Hello? Uh, Yeah, you're back. Oh, shit. So where should we restart from? Just
1: start, restart it from uh, whatever your last thought was. Told the women...
0: Why is Mike having me unplug the microphone? Not that. Oh. Um, well, he told... So... So Sorry.
1: He told three women that he loved them.
0: So Gary tells three women he loves them, and nobody was like... The, the chatter was not like, what's he doing? This is crazy. Right. But when it came down to the final two it almost felt like maybe people just didn't want the littler woman to win because then it was one-on-one and, and, and she let him have it. And I remember the crowd cheered like live when she was like, you lied to me and like, I don't care how you feel right now. I care. Like, and I did respect the fact that the show felt like emotional hunger games or emotional squid game for seniors where it was like, this is your last chance at love. No, thank you. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> well, uh, another uh, by the
1: time this has come out, another show on our network, uh, Big Wigs Anna, Anna uh, Roisman made this exact point that the there is a finality to the idea that these people are. It really is like potentially their last shot at love in, you know, you can advertise it on television. But like when you watch young people on The Bachelor, like somebody that's 25, it's like it doesn't work out. They're fine. They're going to get on Hinge. They have a bunch yeah. of Instagram followers. They'll figure it out. If you're like 72 and you're, you now just had this like public embarrassment on television, like aren't I, you embarrassed? Right. That might turn you off from dating for, for till the end. You know,
0: that might be it. And you know what? If it is, so be it. Yeah. I mean, you're old. Right. Like you got a shot. What do you say to those people who didn't even give a shot?
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true
0: yeah so how about some gratitude ladies? <laughs> okay? you got to matter for a minute, and there's still only fans and and porn fans are growing older every day yeah you know the 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 fans of milf porn in the nineties are are now looking for that gilf porn, okay. so you know just get on get on something uh but yeah, i just I do think the show will suck after this because now everybody knows like you can only surprise it like this one time, right. But you know, I think yeah, Jerry is not not or Gary. What the fuck is his name? Gary. He spells it so weird though. Yeah, but I think E R R Y I think it's still Gary. Yeah, no, it is Gary. Gary,
1: like Gary. It's like Jerry. You know really? he did remind me of a little bit, though? Like, is there a little Gary Johnson thing happening
0: there? There's more of a, like, it's more of, it's more of like a nasally Cory Booker. Oh. It's okay. really, like, Cory Booker is more, I have
2: had yeah. many cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> and and Gary is more like, I only had one cup of coffee. <laughs> How are you? Are right. you good? We were in the fantasy suite. Yeah. And, She let me do it in her butt. And that's (laughs) when I knew we had a connection.
0: Like, I'd love to hear an X-rated version of Gary, but still speaking in that hokey, folksy manner. Yeah.
2: You know, and when, you know, when she let me
0: eat the whipped cream
2: out of her ass, (laughs) that's when I knew I had found my
0: person. (laughs) And then I thought that I thought the scorned woman, this he the scorned woman either didn't say anything because nothing happened or was like, didn't want to further shame herself. Cause I was waiting for that. You fucked me, Gary.
2: You fucked me. I'm 66 and alone and you fucked me. How could you? <laughs> well, it was fun. And I liked the fact that we didn't have to use condoms. <laughs> Gary, I let your raw talk me, Gary. How could you do this? My grandkids are out there. Watch your mouth, bitch. <laughs>
0: but I don't know that I'll ever watch it again, but I but I I enjoyed what I saw of the first season because I think unlike, you know, and I find Jesse Palmer hilarious cuz I just kept looking at him and going, if I if the phrase handsome dummy <laughs> were like in the dictionary, I think it'd be his picture cuz there's something handsome but dumb about yeah. his face. It's the CTA. But but not even that, but like kind of just like you know, yeah. like he's like a character from a movie, like the the brainless jock. Not saying he's brainless, but that's how he looks. Yeah. You know, but uh good for him to, you know, he's a backup quarterback, and that, like that's that's the path I think Zach Wilson is maybe looking for. Maybe. Oh god. Uh is Zach Wilson Mormon? Uh,
1: yes, but I don't think he is practicing. Okay. Yeah. Cause he yeah. was a BIU guy, right? Yep. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he looks the part. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Boy, am I disappointed in that kid.
0: Yeah. I was thinking, by the way, did you know, Mormon is like the Mormon's N word?
1: I know that they don't like being called Mormon. They're
0: okay with it now, but Mormons started. I learned this when I was in Utah a couple of years ago. They It started as like a kind of some kind of like slur. slur for Latter-day Saints. So Latter-day Saints is the preferred, but they're good with Mormons now. Like right. And I said, I got them laughing when I said, that's like your N-word with a yeah. hard N. You can say it with a hard N. Yeah. And I was going through just different thoughts because I just finished a Mitt Romney biography. And I was I was reading through it and I was like, Oh there's like just like I do the thing with Italians. We've discussed the Italians how I was like Italian black people are really Italians 2.0. Yeah. When it comes to culture. There's so many similarities. It's just the greater the struggle as I think I made this point from Mission Impossible, the greater the greater the suffering, the greater the heights is kind of the, you know, I don't think Italians would have traded slavery to be better at rap and sports.
1: No. Right.
0: But- but you we, get what we, I'm saying. We have our we
1: have our feathers in our caps. We right. make great suits and cars. And no, no, and it's start, but if you look
0: throughout the cultural, the cultural icons, it follows kind of a similar path. Yeah. Of music, of sports, of, yeah. Like they each had their era, and now like angry European dudes are coming from Europe and being like, we're, we, "We had it rough. Now we're taking over the NBA from yeah. our war torn countries." Right. But. Um, I thought Mormons, you know, is another group where you could draw comparisons and be like, you know, you excluded black people from the church until like the seventies. But hey, Mormons, you have your own, you, 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 similar to black people, you took your own slur and made it part of your identity. Yeah. And And you're probably the two groups most known for having fucked up names. So let's bring community once again a chance to bring communities together mm-hmm. you know uh j oh, why did you say mormons and black people have fucked up names cuz i was joking but you know what i mean you know it's like uh DeBricka shaw ferguson uh, here's your meet your meet your roommate um thorgorp win <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We've gone through some similar struggles, I see. <laughs> oh, that was a good made-up name. <laughs> Thorgorp Wynn. Sounds like a Marvel character. <laughs> um, but before we get to our main topic uh, and take our first break, I also want to talk about something that you apparently aren't familiar with, which I'm shocked, given the demos you often ro- roll with. Sidney Sweeney. Yeah. Sydney Sweeney, I asked the question. I don't think people got it on social media. I said, I didn't know Juilliard had a porn program because she is an incredibly talented actress. I don't think she went to Juilliard, but she's an incredibly talented actress who is also all about the hardcore sex scenes. Mm. And, uh, you know, I looked up Sydney, Sydney Sweeney was trending last night on Twitter. So I was like, Oh, what'd she do? She break up with somebody? She engaged? She, you know, and I couldn't find, thanks to Elon Musk's new new ex, couldn't find why. It was just a series of posts about her. <laughs> like, I had no idea why she was trending. Usually, it used to be you could click on, like, five and, links, and, and, out, and by right? the way, you'd be like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. But I'm watching, and I was like, oh, geez, I didn't realize I had, like, opened up, like, a porn portal. You know, sometimes you'll be like, oh, uh, Mitt Romney's trending, and then you'll get, like, the third post will be some hardcore porn video with just like 20 terms in it just yeah. to get it trending. But I was like, "Oh, what uh porn? This is porn." And I was like, "Oh no, this is a scene from a Sydney Sweeney movie called The Voyeur on Amazon Prime, which uh, as soon as Laura's out of the house, I know what I'm watching." But Sydney Sweeney is so ridiculously hot. And I always I I just she's on Euphoria. I'm sorry I didn't mention it, but like she's on The White Lotus. Yeah. And Euphoria. Okay, you don't watch Euphoria? No. Oh,
1: that's okay. definitely not my cup of tea. Oh, Euphoria
0: season one was really good.
1: I don't care about high school kids. I don't. Don't
0: worry, they're twenty five years old, <laughs> <laughs> but they're supposed to be in high school, right? Right. I love the fact Sydney Sweeney is twenty five playing like a high school junior. Yeah. Um, and it's like I think. When parents watch that, they're like, "Is this what high school's like?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> well,
1: that's the thing i i it's It's such a wild view of like like uh a, a type of high school that they kind of did it in the eighties. remember there yeah. was like um what the hell was that movie with spader and downey?" Um, zero something zero something zero and i can't less
0: fucking, than zero less than
1: zero yeah 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 they did a bunch of movies like that that were just like look how wild it is in la everybody's on coke and everybody's doing all these drugs i don't know i mean i feel to me it's a little it's a chicken or the egg type thing with high school kids it's like are high school kids li- really living like this or are you depicting something that is like in a weird way romanticized and now high school kids are going to be like, I want to do that. Right. You know?
0: And I got to say, I mean, if Sydney Sweeney went to my high school, I'd be like, I'll do drugs. Right. If that's what you want to do. But she's like, I always, I find, I just, oh, I. She's
1: really, really quite attractive.
0: Yes. Um, She's like out of control, attractive, but she's a good actress too. Mm-hmm. Um, And not afraid to get, like, i am I mean, the scene that came up, it took me like, Thirty seconds to realize, oh, that's just her in a movie. This isn't a porn clip that like invaded the, the 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 site, but it's like hardcore. It's hardcore. Yeah, she is. I mean, she is not afraid. And I just, I, I, I laugh though because I think Sam Levinson, who's Barry Levinson's son, he was apparently a big time drug addict, but now has is is a like as a high schooler. I think Euphoria is like loosely based on his life, mm. um, and that's the thing. I feel like there's got to be some high schools where the druggies aren't hot. (laughs) I went to one. (laughs) Call me crazy. Call me crazy. But I feel like the four models and porn stars that you go to high school with aren't all the druggies. Yeah. Some of them might actually be unattractive and weird. But Sam Levinson, I remember reading a quote from, from Sydney Sweeney where she was like, and he you know he had some scenes in there that i wasn't comfortable with and and i said so and he took them out so i'm i'm grateful for that and i'm like that's pimp shit where it's like you set it up it's like yeah i'm gonna want this dude to fuck you in the ass sydney <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm gonna want him to suck your titty and then she's like um can we not do the ass fucking one <laughs> director you know what bitch fine <laughs> But he gets to double suck your titties. Oh, that's great! Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me. I feel so heard and seen on the set. Yeah, I was like, he is setting you up. He is setting you up because yeah. there is something that show is like, and and it just wasn't. The first season was, I thought, outstanding, and then from there, it got it got worse. But she is, I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think of who the, you know. I I couldn't. I I don't think I could date her. And I mean that not like I have the opportunity, but there is—that would be too much pressure, I think,
1: to for what?
0: Just to be be the most confident man on earth, I just would be like. It gets to a point where she walks down the street and everybody's seen her naked, and everybody's still trying and trying to get with her, and everybody thinks they have a chance.
1: Uh, I don't know that I'd care. I think I'd be all right with it. You'd want to have like a uh, hot girlfriend that everybody's
0: no no it's of course but it's not there is a i just think there is a level to it that is like people you say that and six months in maybe you're still like this is awesome but then like one fight and you're like she's probably out of fucking bar just everybody's I just need one guy that's like inter and like fuck yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna, we should try. We should try as part of the show. Let's. We'll both try to date her. I'll get DM I'll get a hall pass from Laura, and we'll just make, we'll make an effort. Yeah, and we'll see. Either one of us. It's our, either one of us. Uh, if you do it, I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. But for the show, I'll do it. Okay. But yeah, Sydney Sweeney. If you if you go on X and just like. That's also got to be weird where like you look it up and it's like, oh, did she get an Emmy Is she Now it's just a hardcore sex scene that somebody just uploaded to Twitter and it's been retweeted like a million times. I'm sure that's (laughs) got to be weird. But you also
1: go into it knowing that like you're going to that's that's what it is now. You know, I'm sure, as you said, I don't really know much about her. I just looked literally looked her up. But and she's gorgeous. But um, you know, these are now, we're now at an age where it's like these are children of the internet. They know how they, these things work, you know, like
0: children of the porn, one might say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pun. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, guys, in no way did I just get a signal to do this, but why don't we take a quick break for the sponsors and we'll be right back. And we're back on Rain on Your Parade. How was your break, Mike? Fabulous. Awesome. So good. Awesome. Mine too. Um we came up with a topic to discuss during the break. <laughs> so that was that was a fruitful break. Um This is kind of a broad topic, but something we spoke about a few weeks ago off Mike. And with Mike, but yes. off Mike. Yes. And you had said something to me that was that was very profound, very uh, bordering on profound. I'll give you bordering, bordering on profound. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was you, you, we, I was mentioning like the over, uh, you know, how, how we were talking about comedy specials and how the art doesn't in, in specifically in stand up, but I think this really a prod, a, a, applies broadly to yeah. our culture where it was. Specials don't matter anymore. It was me talking about, I think, Ralph Barbosa, where I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good special, but specials used to be like when you arrived, not a stop on your way to greater fame and fortune as a comedian. It was sort of an appro- like a stamp of approval. You had made it. And you said to me something about like, now that doesn't matter. And then you said, because people like me and other podcasters, because you have to flood uh, social media sites with your content. You want somebody to listen to your podcast? Well, they can listen to it. Or they can see a clip of you on four different sites and go, interesting. Maybe I'll listen. You know, things like that. And you said to me, one day we're going to get to a place where the tools that people have, they'll be. everybody will be able to do what I can do. And they... Oh, they'll be able to do what you can do come
1: on it's make it sound profound
0: no no well i i made i think i made it profound with my next statement <laughs> like i took your step and then made it profound of
1: course you did jay you said
0: <laughs> you said when somebody can do what i can do um and can and can game the algorithm everybody knows how to game the algorithm we'll just have this like Flood, yeah, of kind of, and I said, right, we're gonna have six billion people filming themselves and no one watching, exactly. And, and you know, you gave me the prose; I gave you the poetry. <laughs> and I really thought about that like that week because I'm always prone to thinking depressingly about things. Yeah, as am I. And that was a very depressing thought, where it was like, are we reaching? People use the term like peak TV or with AI, the singularity. These are things that people talk about. Are we reaching the end of culture? And I remember Bo Burnham prophetically said in 2015 during a special, he goes, I was watching the TV the other night and I saw celebrity lip syncing and I thought, oh, good. Culture is dead. That's it. We're done. And that was 2015. Little did I know five years later, my star would abruptly stop rising when lip syncing videos on TikTok would become this bizarrely accepted form of cultural genius for like a summer, not, not permanently, but it's like, and it was like, really? And I just think bro, like now I think to everything. So comedy is my area of expertise sort of. And I see the way people, you know, a special is now not a special. It's I have compiled 45 minutes of material or the ability to speak and breathe and be on camera for 50 minutes, mm. I'm ready for a special. And it is, there is the glut of specials. Like I released my first special earlier this year. I've obviously had problems with what should have been my first special for several years now, but that's after 20 years of doing this. Like I'd done some albums, but I, I viewed, I had the old school view of like a special, I want this one to be special. And the one that was supposed to be my first was the greatest set of my life and the greatest hour I've ever produced. And I thought, what a great way to like have a special, it will be special to me, but you look and, and comedy is now just this, this, like it's, it's, it's almost how I feel like porn stars must feel after a while where it's like, yeah, I used to like having sex. Now I just take a couple pills and I, find a runaway and we get on camera and I fucking go to poundtown for 45 minutes. My mind is somewhere else. And then I go home and take some drugs or something like, like this kind of like comedy is now no it's, it's making comedy is like the primary driver. Now, not good comedy or your best work, but it's like, I'm making, I'm doing comedy, doing comedy and producing comedy is paramount. whether it's good or not is less important than whether you are making it. And I see that with a lot of things like I've, I've, uh, you know, with streaming, you know, take it broader to like movies and television shows. Um, when DVDs came out, I thought it actually heightened the prestige of things. Like I could own breaking bad or the Sopranos like, like TV is now on the level of movies where I can own this important art and streaming to me, and maybe it'll be different for for for, for kids. It's the reason I don't use, I don't have any ebooks. I believe having a thing, whether it's a book or a or a DVD, gives it a real world weight. Like like you see its representation of its importance to you. And I, yeah. Now the things are all digital. I feel like I, I may have made this point to you, maybe not, but like a movie like The Irishman, not mm-hmm. everybody likes it. I love it. I, I was you know, unlike Flowers, Killers of the Flower Moon, I thought Scorsese earned every minute of his three and a half hours with The Irishman. I hated it. Okay, um, no, I mean a lot of Italians tend to not like Irish people. You're probably like, I thought this <laughs> was in my movie, and I got to watch Mickey McPherson walking around killing Italians. Is that is that Vinny? Vinny the <laughs> Guinea? Oh, you, I saw The Irishman. The Irishman with how are you going to put Pesci in De Niro? De Niro, that's cultural opponent nation. <laughs> you put De Niro and make him Irish. What the fuck is that? <laughs> anyway. Um, but Vinny, wasn't he half Irish in Goodfellas? Watch your mouth. <laughs> 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 Ma, don't say that. <laughs> so, but, but the Irishman is one of those movies where like, if you like it, I, I mean, better example than Irishman if goodfellas came out today that's a better example i mean if we take the classics of the past yeah godfather goodfellas whatever you think amadeus uh, on the waterfront and just make them uh, oh oh you know uh, amazon on amazon streaming on the waterfront this new movie with Marlon Brando. oh cool i'll watch that yeah it 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 is there is an ephemeral meaningless Effect in the aggregate, like our movies, our TV shows, great art, these things that people work on so hard, it's just you're throwing it into the money machine. It's like, here, I made a, I made a masterpiece. Give me money. And if it lives on, great. If it doesn't, fuck it. I, I'm in a nice house. And I just feel like, you know, I try to think.
1: Th- that might not even be the case for much longer, right. that you're in a nice house. Everybody wants to do this now. And now everybody can do it. <laughs> Yeah. This is, again, the sad thing about what we talked about, but that's the problem with everything becoming content is that everybody... When I was in film, like, a, I didn't go to, like, a film school, but when I was in my film program when I was in college, th- the idea of learning how to edit uh, anything, a fi- like, not even a film, like, like, the projects that they had me work on were, like, go around your hometown and, like, get footage of your hometown and, like, do a little, like, a little... The fact that I had the that I was learning how to edit together a sequence of pictures, uh, moving pictures, and put like that blew my mind at that time. And people that I knew thought it was a waste. Like my parents are like, what are you really going to, you're going to become an editor? Like, what are you going to do? Well, your with all this iPhone stuff? showed them. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> you just get to a point now where it's like, it's that was 15 years ago. Yeah, like 15 years ago. And, now every college kid can do it, whether they're in a whether they're in a film program. Like film program, be damned. It means nothing. Like you just come out of the womb these days knowing how to edit together TikTok videos. So it's not as special. But you know what people can't do? Fix the sink.
0: You Have know? you seen that South Park? Yes. That, how right. good is that? Really how fucking good. <laughs> good was that? The Panderverse. <laughs> they're getting rich. On, on the yeah. the handy men are like Bezos and yeah. Musk yeah. at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of it. It's funny. And and I wish. I honestly, I'm at the point in my life where I, if I could become like a plumber or, or, or something, I'm kind of like, I don't know. Why not? Other than that ingrained thought of like, uh, but I went to law school. I I need to do this. And I'm like, but these law jobs aren't floating around anymore. These good law jobs, like at 44 with mediocre experience. It's not like I'm going to all of a sudden be a fucking partner at a law firm in 10 years. Right. But what you just brought up, and I think the mythology and the bullshit that we get fed is now that people can make the technical things quicker, you'd think there would be more of an emphasis on true artistry and true wow. genius. That's that's the problem. We have simplified the process, but are not heightening or raising the importance of originality and craft and skill and artistic... Vision or whatever. Not that everything has to be high and mighty. Like I saw the Adam Sandler animated movie. You know, Adam Sandler is kind of a very working man's funny guy, but I loved his animated movie. I think it was called Leo. Yeah. I loved it. And then Bill Burr. Yeah. So it's not like you can't. I'm not saying everything. I'm not talking when I say high minded or artistry. I'm not necessarily saying this has to be. Uh, you know a Kubrick masterpiece no, or, but
1: how about something we've, we were talking before we turned the mics on so, how about something with a beginning middle and an end can we even get there and there's so we've talked about this in the past it's like uh, how many pilots have you seen where you're like great pilot and then the rest of the show right. it's just like what
0: the fuck is this right what are we watching we've reversed like we talked about last week we've reversed or a few weeks ago I should say yeah based on we, but we've reversed the order which is like we used to have patience to let art develop Hey, Seinfeld first season, not that great. Well, yeah. fuck it. No. Then yeah. we would have been deprived the genius of Larry David yep. and a great all-time great show. Yep. Friends, similar thing. Like, hey, okay. Yeah, the pilot was like had its kernels of potential and, and greatness, but it was not a great pilot. Yeah. In my opinion. But there was patience. There was an expectation that art takes time. We've reversed it, which is now catch them in 10 minutes or fuck off. Yeah. And that's not a way to make great work. And yeah. I, I think whatever the case, it, it goes across the board. I found it funny and ironic that like, I know the Britney Spears book is a runaway bestseller and I understand she was a very popular influential figure, you know, just cause she's more modern. I think she's one of the most influential artists in music history in terms of Easily. pop culture music. She made yeah. it okay to lust for 16 year olds. And when I say that, <laughs> I don't, I, in it of itself. I, I honestly, even though that is a joke, I also don't mean it as a joke. It was this like naughty, like she mainstreamed the kind of like, yeah, she was underage in a schoolgirl outfit and everybody, like, granted, I was in college, you know, but hey, I could have been, I could have been Josh Giddied if I had met, if I had met her. And, but her book is number one and very telling. Barbara Streisand's number two. (laughs) And I think that's very telling that like an iconic artist, And the kind of pop culture, you know, uh, guilty pleasure kind of thing is above her. Dude, uh, It's but the other thing that I think
1: really, this might be my snobby take on it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the content, since we're using that horrible word. Yeah. If we're using the word content, a lot of the content and things that get made today, it's very clear to me that there is no influence of anything before, I don't know, 2015 maybe. People do not watch. And listen, objectively, if you go and watch a movie from the 50s or the 60s, really anything from like probably late 40s to the, the 80s, to the 90s even, there's so much talent. You had to be so talented to be in a movie. I watched Funny Face recently, which Aubrey Hepburn, Fred Astaire. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Hepburn is like doing ballet and doing full dance scenes in this like really wonderfully beautifully shot classic film. You ever see Singing in the Rain?
0: Of course, amazing. Was, Singing in was, the Rain is fun. Is actually funny. It's a great movie. Like it holds yeah. up. Yeah, it's I great. think it holds. And
1: right, and want, it's got a lot of substance to it. It's about something. Yeah, it's like a frivolous musical. It's oh about no, no, James Singing in the Rain from, is a
0: legitimate. It's a great movie. Piece. Yeah, and
1: it's it's. Well, but before I even go Sorry. there, do you know anything about like how they made that movie, JL? Do you know like the like Gene Kelly's, do you know that he was, he had like a 102 degree fever and that dance scene where he's on the, right. the pole. He had a 102 degree fever, I think it was. And he's doing this dance. And by the time, because there's so much water coming down on him, he was doing that dance with an extra 20 pounds of of water in the suit. Wow. while he had a 102 degree fever, doing this just like perfect choreography that I'm pretty sure he choreographed. Yeah, well, The Rock wakes like,
0: up at 4 a.m. every day to lift weights, bro.
1: Right, but it's just like, you really put it in perspective, the type of care that went into these movies and the type of, you know, what what people wanted to do. I think a lot of it is consumer-based. You were able to sell a musical like that mm-hmm. to an audience in the 50s, but you just, I don't think people give themselves the chance to be influenced by something that's that old. And that's a problem because like when we talked about Matt Reif a few weeks ago, I'd be shocked to find out that Matt Reif had comedic influences that were like Bob Newhart or or you know what I mean? Would would that wouldn't that stun you? I'm not saying everybody needs to like Bob Newhart. No, I'm just saying
0: it. it, it, Who is this guy influenced by? No, his three influences, I can tell you, are Dane Cook, Dave Chappelle and the cool black kid he went to high school with. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get my point like it's well, just kind of like and here's the- there's a lot of structure
1: in a lot of those older pieces of work yep. at least like in in the art that I care about which used to be stand up but uh, music and I mean dude how can you how can you be I just saw maestro as it was in theaters he's you know this is a guy that's a composer those even in the 50s he's influenced by beethoven right. you know what i mean like there's the, the classic talents and the classic work of arts should always be something that people go back to. And I don't think that that is happening at all these days. You know?
0: Yep. When I I mean, when I started, when I was just getting into comedy, I, I actually thought it was my obligation. Not that I was trying to copy anybody. To carry but I the bought, torch? I bought like an eight album anthology of Richard Pryor's. Great. Yeah. Because I was just like, this is me doing this is something I want to take seriously. Yes. I'm not looking to copy him. I'm just, I, but he is a great. So why wouldn't I listen? Now, I never took a stand-up class. I didn't want to learn that way, but I wanted to hear I bought a Jeff Foxworthy album because I was just like, well, he's successful. Soak it all in. Right. And right. and I could appreciate what Jeff Foxworthy did in his space. It wasn't going to be a style I emulated, but I could see, okay, but I'm just I'm seeing different types of successful skilled comedians even if I don't think they're funny there's a skill you know like Sebastian Mascalco can be you know because he's so popular now going to be very divisive right. I'm a fan not of every word out of his mouth but I am a fan overall and he is yeah. yeah and I forget who wrote kind of a critical piece about him when that movie came out with De Niro that got panned yeah but they said something about him and they said there are very few comedians, and they meant it as a backhanded compliment. They were like, "There are very few comedians who are better at performing stand-up comedy than Sebastian Maniscalco." Like, in other words, he'd perfected the performance of stand. Like, he he knew his audience. He knew what beats to hit. And and you know what? In a technical way, there is value to that, even if you're not a fan of his. There's value to somebody being good at what they do. And I, you know, so I bought. Like I said, I bought a bunch of different albums because I was just like, I just want to hear all the people who are good and successful, hear what they what they do. And I learned from Richard Pryor. You know, Chris Rock has been my all-time favorite. But when I heard Richard Pryor's bit about going to visit a penitentiary, pen, you know, how I Love it. And I said, oh, that's- that's Thank the God fu- we got. Yes. penitentiaries. That's the we got a free black man. We got a free. And then I went to the penitentiary. <laughs> what do you think they would do to us if we were here, Rich? <laughs> I said, "Fuck us." <laughs> <laughs> that was like the father of Chris Rock's yeah uh, toss salad yes. bit.
2: yeah bit. Yeah, like
0: yeah. like I could hear the direct lineage. Not thinking Chris Rock's a thief. Yeah, because he wouldn't be so stupid to steep to so direct. But he might have been inspired by that. It might yeah. have been back of his head, and you get icon a new generation, a new iconic bit from that. So I, I mean, from a stand-up comedy perspective, I think we're in end times. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm I'm oh. Vigo the Carpathian is on his way, <laughs> and he because we are <laughs> my issue with stand-up right now, and I think very highly of my own stand-up, and I think regardless of where my career has ended up or will end up, I feel I have done it in the exact right way. Not maybe networking, socializing, doing that, but as far as writing, performing, pushing boundaries, trying to find my voice, trying to trying to expand my skill set, I think I've done it the right way. And there's many people who've done it the right way. But in this era where new people are coming in and they're viewing comedy, I think partly as a pathway to fame, a pathway. I always said to people, I said, if I ever get as good at comedy as I want to be, I think fame or money will come from that, but I'm not seeking those things because I do, I want to get money from being as good as I can be, not from a shortcut or doing something I don't want to do, but taking it because it's the money path. I think that ethic is there's a lot of new jacks who are TikTok is their manager, their life coach. Yeah. They're like, they are obeying whatever the TikTok, and that is not the path to good art. That is, I mean, I've made this joke before, but other professions who still care about the art are like, we don't want AI. We we care about the work. And comedians are like, oh no, AI, you're not needed here. We will do exactly what the algorithm wants. You, there's no job here for you because we will sell out in an instant. Look, I already sold out. I'm doing AI. What do you want me to do? You want me to fart with captions and put it on TikTok? Let's do it. You want me to light on fire? You want me to kill my mom for the algorithm? Let's do it. That'd be hilarious, right? If I push her down the stairs in a funny way, TikTok, you want me to murder my family brutally and then put like captions on it because that will, you know, you want that movement. They'll do it. Like that's not art. (laughs) That's that's doing the bidding of a computer. And I don't see in my peers, and I mean this with all due respect, I don't see a Chappelle. I don't see a Rock. I don't see a Pryor. I don't see a Carlin. It's 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 like if you looked at the NBA and saw no evolution to the game. It's like, well, we had Post Jordan era. We right, we had we had Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. We had Bird Magic. We had Jordan. We had LeBron and Kobe. And then if I told you, and the new best player is Demar Derozan, (laughs) you'd be like, what the fuck happened? Who's no Gerald Wallace is leading the league in scoring? Wait, no, no, who's the next? Who's the next goat? Uh Trey Young. Right. You'd be like, what? What happened? What what why isn't the game growing anymore? I look at a lot of talented people who I think have plateaued. And I think this is going to be a problem for art in general as it becomes lucrative and beneficial to become a contributor to the content engine versus being an artist. And I think the divide in many fields is growing that you're going to have to sort of pick a side. You know, yes, there'll always be that, oh, that rare gem that manages to be both. But in in stand up, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see the next person who will be. You know, even CK. You know what I mean? It, it's it's as much as I wasn't like a particular fan of his. You know, Burr, 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 CK. Like, who's the next great? You don't have to name names, but I'm saying after that generation that we've been watching kind of dominate for 20 years. I
1: mean, for stand up, I'm not the right person to ask anymore. No, I know. As you know, I have I've moved on from it and and kind of have a lot of disdain for sure. the art form, but primarily because of a lot of the things that you're talking right. about. It moved in a direction where I was just like none of this is an, is even remotely meaningful. Right. Um I I mean, I, yeah, I tend to agree. I don't really see that person either. That was another thing that disillusioned me from doing it because I was just like, I thought I was going to be among the the geniuses of, you know, the Robin Williams and uh, and Richard Pryor's. And J O
0: Covans, I know. I, I told was just you finishing your the, the first
1: time The first time I ever did an open mic in New York City, it, it was like a six o'clock open mic on a Friday night and I thought, uh, because I was on Bleecker Street and I was like 23, I was like, I'm among the geniuses. These but, look at all these people, and when you when you have um when you're really lit up about something, speak of the fucking devil that the light just was. Pause.
0: No, I kicked it out. I didn't realize <laughs> I was. Can I?
1: Yeah. Pause real quick.
0: This is just maybe plug that little thing. In. Maybe the best episode ever. Hold on. I, I'll do it. I'll do it. Sorry. I will do it. <laughs> it's gonna be some heavy editing in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. Ah. I can do this on a Christmas <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Ma. <laughs> Ma, I got to fix the, I got to do the editing, ma. <laughs>
1: um, but it, it, I learned quite quickly that I was not
0: among the geniuses.
1: Not one in that room. <laughs> I don't even think any of those people in that room are still doing stand-up. And it just kind of puts you in this position where I, you- I was
0: in that room. Obviously, I made an impression. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> we're not in that room, but- <laughs> But uh... no, and I see a guy like Gary Goldman, and everybody I'm mentioning is like over 50. Yeah, You know, where I'm like, I I mean, Gaffigan gave me hope because his special this year was like, oh shit, Gaffigan like stepped out of his normal zone and made what I thought was his best special. That was inspiring. But, you know, and maybe there's there, but I just feel like the incentives, the clickishness of the comedy scene is just like you make yours. I'll promote your special, I'll get you on my podcast. We have a lot of followers, we'll just keep boosting in the same circles that are now the like power brokers in comedy and they're like do another special. It's going to be kind of the same hour, different jokes obviously, but kind of the same tone, the same, we're just going to keep delivering, you know, the way the rock like a rock movie. We we criticize people who never make different choices in movies, but in stand up we are almost expecting people to keep making the same choices and delivering the same product. And as long as the the spigot of money is turned on, it's like who's who's gonna stop and go, wait, I wanna do something different.
1: But here's my other question for you. And it relates to all art, I think, at this point. But I think since you're talking specifically about stand-up, the big question to me is in 2020. 20- 24 since we're about to be in 2024 what is the end game for people that want to do stand-up at this point what is the it used to be to your point it used to be to get the HBO special right. you want to do your you know bigger and blacker and and your um um what was the first one bring the pain bring the pain and things like that and you know live on the sunset strip and raw and all that was like what you were aspiring to get to right but now, even that, it feels like you get a Netflix special and it, they just like fart it out and I guess you can tour and that's great. But like can you do that forever? Can you do that? if you're a 31 year old comedian that hits at 31 and you fart out your Netflix special and you have your your TikTok followers and your Instagram followers,
0: can you do that for 20 more years? Can you do it for 50 more years? I've, I've what seen people what doing is it. the end game? I've seen people doing it for 10. And the thing is, financially, they're set, some of those people. For good? I mean, if, if, you, if you've made, to be honest, if you've made $10 million before you're 40, cumulatively, you are good. If you want to, like in other words, if you want to keep acquiring properties and, grow, you know. I guess. But. I mean, somebody. But are comedians famously great business people (laughs) who can grow wealth? But I don't know. (laughs) To be honest, I don't know that we've seen it like this, where, like, even me, take me as a low level example. I made more money in 2020 from comedy than I've ever made in a two year period in my life. And that includes working at law firms. Like, Because there was just this opportunity for me through social media, through Cameo, through other things, private work. And I had my moment and I made a lot of money. And my moment has been dwarfed by other peers of mine who consistently get to, you know, so I don't know that we've seen this many people able to make seven figures. And I don't mean that like there's a thousand of them. But if they're, imagine if I told you they were like, yeah, probably like, 60 comics, maybe or fi- like who made seven figures. That's an incredible amount. I don't yeah. think we've ever seen that. But the flip side of that is it creates, it's taking away one of the things about comedians, the struggle. And I don't mean to be, you have to be a starving artist, but it takes away something that used to be ingrained in creating good art. Like I, I'm sure there's a quote somewhere of like comfort is the enemy of good art or some, you know some bullshit like that. But there is, it's a cliche because it's a little bit true. And I think we've reached a point now where it's just like, yep, I like that guy and he's going to keep delivering good jokes, but he's never, you know, I brought up Gary. He hasn't posted in three weeks. Right. And it's, you know, <laughs> it, it just makes me wonder, you know, and you can go across the board, like Broadway shows. We talked about it on the climate change episode. Broadway shows, people are making hard life cho- choices, I think. That would be my guess, where it's like, I can create the next great play, and it will be at a, uh upstate New York theater festival, and I will break even for this great work. Or... <laughs> I can do my cousin Vinny the musical and get a six-figure paycheck. Oh Ma. Ma. What's a youth? What's a youth? What's a youth? My girlfriend's high, and she knows fucking cars. Right? The judge is mean. The judge is tall. He looks like the guy from the monsters, y'all. And you know, so yeah. <laughs> My biological clock is ticking. <laughs> My biological clock is ticking. What do you mean? I mean I wanna fucking have a baby, you dumb guinea. Yeah. You've got a real choice. And and I feel like <laughs> uh, comedy's not making there are no comedians making that choice pause attraction pause attraction it's a bullshit question pause attraction so so uh, my my thing is there are you can see like an evolution i feel like stand up comedy maybe because it's the, the least artsy of the arts was the first to just go commerce we yeah. money get money appease the algorithms get paid because We've been the most starving, the most shitty group of artists. We're going to be the first to just go, give me that check. Give me the blue pill. Like in the Matrix, comics would be the ones going, give me the blue pill. Uh, uh, Let me taste the steak. I'll go back to sleep. Oh, yeah. Whereas Broadway musicals and things like that are in like a middle stage where it's like you still have an opportunity to make good work. But the stuff that's selling, the stuff that can give you the career, you really have to make a choice most of the time. You know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, there's, there's one Lin-Manuel Miranda. There's not 50 of them walking around going, I've got an original work too. Right. Let's make it. And you keep going up the line. And I think, you know, still in film, there's plenty of opportunities to make independent good films. But I think the devices, the, 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 the media of film and TV are the enemies in their case because it's the digitizing of everything that's making it less important. They may there are still people with access desire and skills to make meaningful work but if it's just one of 19 new releases on Netflix Netflix that week then then what are we doing like so so I think across the board we're just we're we're we're, we're you know I think comedians are the worst at it and there's a, there's a reason for it I think you know if you tell a comedian hey you want to make a lot of money it's like holy shit is that even possible in this right i get it i get the nature of the beast but Somebody's got to still, besides me, of course, has to be committed to the, to the art. And I, don't, I wonder who in the next generation, or even in my generation, is like the, not just who's the best by default, like who's the best comic, who's going to be a Hall of Fame, like if they had a Hall of Fame, right? Who's making the Comedy Hall of Fame 42 and under? Who's ma- Maybe there are a couple, but you'll see a lot more in that 55 and over group. Than you will in the 45 and under group. But yet, by 45, you could have known that Chris Rock was a Hall of Famer, Dave Chappelle was a Hall of Famer, Bill Burr was a Hall of Famer, Greg Giraldo didn't even get to 45, Patrice O'Neill didn't even get to 45. You'd know these people. Uh, um, Who's the fucking one liner guy who died young? Mitch, Mitch Hedberg. Hedberg. Yeah, You know, these are, these are people you would have known by the time they were 45 that they'd already cemented a certain legacy and had done something new, original, or important. And I just think, I, I don't know that books are in this place yet. I just don't think we read. I think when it comes to books, we have a culture that doesn't read as much. So like everywhere there is art, we've got somewhere, some, some flaw in the system is destroying. So people don't read as much. That's terrible for society. Um, you know, plays, which will win out. Commerce will win out. Comedy already is sold out to, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's 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 interesting and i think when you when you brought up just to bring it full circle that that thing you said to me um after our show a few weeks ago all i could think was is this the end like or are we are we closer to the end than the beginning like art like the universe maybe is not an ever expanding thing is there a finite amount of it of creativity and are we are we hastening our journey to the end are we whether it's streaming, selling out, picking a side, whatever the case may be, not reading as much, are we, are we hastening that end f- more than it should be? Like maybe we have 100 years left of creativity, but the way we act, it's like, oh, we got five. We got five years left. Yeah. So uh, on that gloomy note, I will talk about somebody that is advancing art in a real way. I'm going to review Jim Brewer's new YouTube special uh, in the comedy section, along with uh, the punchdown of the week. So one last break. Thanks for listening. See you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. And it's Mike's favorite section of the show, although we kind of just did a bit of it anyway. The comedy section.
1: It's Christmas. Listenership's going to be down. I figured this is the week to do it.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, well, prove them wrong, everybody. Share this with a friend. Let's make this the most watched and Please. listened episode yet. <laughs> prove that art and culture are not dead. But I decided to give Scott Pelly the week off. You know, he wanted to be with his family for Christmas. So I'm going to do the punch down of the week. And uh, boy, oh boy, this one was fun. I posted today, this is obviously from a little while ago when you're listening to this, but I posted today a video of Donald Trump being mad that Taylor Swift Uh, one-times person of the year Hmm. today. So somebody wrote to me, you can do better. Hmm. Find the words he hates, comma, dislikes. Pronounce them like you did stop. Dirty, disgusting. I said disgusting because they misspelled disgusting. Disgusting with a C as opposed to a G. Um, but needs to be said dirty <laughs> disgusting, 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 but needs to be said. and the person had another comment uh, that was misspelled also um, and their name is Trojan pussy on YouTube hmm. so obviously I usually dismiss comments that annoy me, but when somebody with the the weight and importance of trojan pussy naturally is that that sounds like a way to uh to describe a trans person, yeah. Like a Trojan pussy, like I, you thought I I, you thought, or like a trans man. It's like you thought I had a dick, yeah. But in fact, this is simply a Trojan pussy. Um, but thank you for the feedback. You can do better. Well, you certainly can too, because your spelling is atrocious. But uh, yeah, I I just gave him a thumbs down. I didn't reply. I, I think that's growth. My my goal for twenty twenty four is to be kinder to people online mm. and meaner in person, though, just to balance it out. So. Uh, And then let's just, uh, let's talk about the special of of the week. And I decided to watch Jim Brewer's new special, Country Boy Will Survive on YouTube. Now, as it turns out, looking at his catalog, it seems like he's uploaded at least four specials in the last 18 months. So I thought I was prolific, but obviously when you're dealing with somebody who can generate material as quickly as Jim Brewer, you know, when your set is like, 30% weird faces, 50% MAGA talking points and 20%. Oh yeah. Jim Brewer from 1998. (laughs) Uh, you can pump out a lot of specials and country boy will survive. I watched it. And of course, when I posted about it, I think some people took it as like an endorsement of Jim Brewers. I was like, obviously you don't follow my work. (laughs) Yeah. I watch specials. I'm a comedian, but I also comment on comedy. So I like to watch specials and not just dismiss work out of hand, like an asshole. And sometimes I want to watch a special cause it's bad. You know, I don't want to watch mediocre stuff. I like to watch good stuff and awful stuff. And I will say this about uh, Jim Brewer special, pretty awful country boy will survive pretty bad. <laughs> like it met my threshold, but I will say this because he's like, he's like a lot of people, except he's uh, you know, more on the right in terms of obviously on the right when it comes to like vaccine stuff and Trump, but, I've heard plenty of left-wing people say stupid things politically and stuff like that, but somehow he's strikes me as fairly dumb also and easily manipulated. And I know he's an elder. He's somebody who's had some success in this business. I mean, but it's like you're watching somebody who he's not even telling jokes about the pandemic or, but, but he's just getting applause and just like by sarcastic. Yeah. Cause masks work. And you're mm-hmm. like, I guess that's like a clap line and a laugh line. Like you're not even really, you're just feeding people what they want. But I will say this. So it's a pretty bad special. His political stuff. It's like, this isn't even what you do. Just like, I I think political comedy is often awful. Yeah. Only some people should even venture to do it. Like you have to have both a command of the material, but also some originality because everybody's posting political quips Online nonstop. So you better be. That's why my Trump impression, I still do it, is because there's nobody in that space who can do the material as well as I do. So I still know there's a space for me to be original in a crowded space. But Jim Brewer is like there are ways to be funny. Like I will say this he did a bit at a pastor Greg Locke's church. This guy is an absolute menace in Tennessee. Google him when I leave. You'll you'll get a great... You cannot be a Democrat and a Christian. Oh, wow. Oh, no. And he's... And I don't even believe him. That's the creepy thing. He will just be walking around stage. He goes, I'm not going to listen to no Democrats, Bible... Baby butchering, Bible burning. Like, he just... He's like... He's good with a word, but he's like a villain. He's not even like a pastor. He's just like, they gave me a microphone and I'm going to talk some shit. Um, But... Jim Brewer did a show at his church, (laughs) you know, just some good family-friendly entertainment, Jim Brewer. And he did a bit like a week after the guy on the Bills almost died on on the field. And Jim Brewer got up there and said, oh, yeah, but no, the vaccine's totally safe. Let's go back and see what's going on in the NFL. And then he just face-planted himself on stage. And I thought, being as objective as possible, funny. (laughs) it's gross it's not funny but like his crowd was dying But but what what does that mean (laughs) no because their shared knowledge is that well we all know darvin hamlin was vaccinated and that's why he had this cardio issue Um, i'm sorry darvin ham was a basketball player yes and now coach of the lakers you know who i'm talking is darvin something
1: no it's um i'll look it up
0: the guy on the bills though obviously the famous so famous we can't remember his name yeah um but it was shared knowledge in that church tent that the vaccine had caused. DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin. Oh, wow. Harry's son. <laughs> um, so it was in an objective way. He knew his audience. He did a strong physical comedy because he face planted himself. Was it incredibly crude and stupid? Yes and Yes. Most of his material on these current event situations, it reeks of a simplicity and an ignorance that only could be enjoyed by people who are there not for good comedy, but for confirmation of their ignorant views on things. So that said, the special was an hour and 17 minutes. Yes, Jim Brewer's fourth special in 18 months was almost an hour and a half. (laughs) And he looks terrible. He looks... He like and I when I say terrible it's like he's still kind of the messy guy but you know messy and like mid 50s starts to look real bad. It no longer looks like I don't give a shit. It looks more like uh, you okay. <laughs> and but I will say this because I am I I gave the special I watched the whole thing. I laughed a few times because when he's at his best and if you don't like Jim Brewer's comedy I I'm with you. The, the reason I ever saw him live was because he did that ACDC hokey pokey bit at the end of his special. And I loved it. I bought a ticket to see him based on that and left very disappointed. But when he's really like giggling at himself and being like so silly, it's almost endearing because it's like, look at this guy not caring. And I don't mean not caring in a, I'm an edgy guy but not caring like, I don't care if I look stupid. Look at me. I'm just saying, right. my gut's hanging out of my shirt and I'm going, <laughs> There is, right. There, but there was something funny about that in a weird way. He used to do the goat boy thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like there is a, <laughs> yeah, and, so and obvi- yes, but there is a place sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there is a place in art because we sounded maybe a little snooty before, but there is a place in art For stupidity. Oh, Jerry Lewis is the worst.
1: (laughs) How do you not love him?
0: Right. And that's, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) there is a place for stupidity if it's original. And Jim Brewer still gives off a little bit of an original vibe, but it's surrounded by 55 minutes of like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So most people would just shut off. I try not to shut off somebody who I may not agree with or like if I'm watching solely for the purpose of evaluating their special. So it's not good. But I I did laugh a couple of times because every so often he loses himself in his gym brewerness. And, you know, my thing is I would never tell a comedian not to get political. I don't want to hear people tell me that. But don't get political if you can't do it. That's that I think is, is like sage advice. That's not me saying, politics, bro, leave it. No, no. I'm not gonna tell you what to talk about. But if you can't talk about it, and now Here's Bruno Mars with a song about Israel. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Gr- grenade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been blown up to heaven. Oh, oh, oh. anyway, great song. Uh, but one last note that, so my that's my review. But if you like, I'm I'm sometimes want people to watch what I want watched. Just to have feedback like, yes, I'm telling you not to watch it, but eh. sometimes I like comedy so much that sometimes I just want to watch something just to see like we were talking about before. doesn't have to be my cup of tea, but I still like to see what's out there. Yeah, I still like to consume comedy just to and, and I'm less and less impressed. Um, because there's just more and more like anybody doing it now. There is no gatekeeper, but like, maybe we need a gatekeeper. Much like Richard Pryor said, thank God we have a penitentiary. I think we're going to get to a point with comedy and art. Thank God we had gatekeepers. Thank thank God we <laughs> got penitentiaries. And the only other thing I would say is I'm glad Sydney Sweeney uh, never dated Pete Davidson. Not yet. I don't think it's going to happen. She's too good an artist. Pete Davidson, you know, Kate Beckinsale, you can have Pete Davidson. She's attractive, but. You know she fucked Matt Rife. I heard she was Reif. linked to Matt Reif as well. Yeah, it almost makes me go like, "Damn, it is hard out here for older women in Hollywood." Yeah. Matt Reif and Pete Davidson, ma'am, Underworld didn't suck that much. <laughs> well,
1: that's debatable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean one, one of them, but both of them is that? Well, she did do like four. All right. Well, okay. Maybe that's just called justice. Anyway, guys, on that note, uh, on behalf of Mike, can I can I speak on your behalf? Uh, I
1: think it depends.
0: Just holiday wishes. Oh, sure. Okay. Free Palestine on behalf of Mike. (laughs) And on behalf of me, happy holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate. And by that, I mean Christmas. (laughs) Um, But yes, thank you for listening, for watching. I hope you share this with a friend. Uh, Like I said, lots of ways to get other material from me uh, in this holiday season. But I hope you have a great, hope you had a great Hanukkah. Have a great Christmas. Have a great Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. We'll see you on Rain on Your Parade in 2024. Ho, ho, ho.